Hey friends, well, after a long and for many of you cold winter, are you ready to bring the spirit of the islands into your home? Look no further than Home Threads, where comfort meets coastal living. At HomeThreads.com, you can discover a collection inspired by the tranquility of the beach. From breezy linens to stylish coastal decor, they've got everything you need to turn your home into a seaside retreat, and always at the best value. If you haven't been to the Home Threads website yet, you have to go check it out, see their beautiful bedding, everything they have for your kitchen, lighting, workspace, and a gift guide, which has something for everyone on your list. I'm thinking ahead to Mother's Day, Father's Day, anniversaries, birthdays, and more. So visit homethreads.com forward slash Monica and get a code for 15% off your first order. Because whether you're on the islands or dreaming of the sea, Home Threads brings the beach to you. Home Threads, love where you live. Christian Parenting Aloha friends, welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast, powered by Christian Parenting. I am Monica Swanson, mom to four boys, podcast host and author of Boy Mom, What Your Son Needs Most From You. Here on the podcast, it's my goal to bring you practical advice and biblical wisdom for raising boys in this sometimes crazy world. You can always find show notes over at monicaswanson.com forward slash podcast. I'm so glad you're here. We picture our celebration on the other side of a dream realized or a goal achieved or some sort of change in our circumstances. And so we've narrowed our definition of celebration to be a reaction to good news or a reward for an accomplishment instead of considering it as a rhythm that we practice that then cultivates joy. Hey friends, welcome back to the Boy Mom Podcast. And I don't know about you, but when I heard that clip from today's guest, Nicole Zazowski, I had to go back and re-listen. And don't worry, it'll show up again in our interview today. But wow, it makes me wonder, for all of you listening, are you a natural celebrator? Do you love to make a big deal about the little things? Or are you a little more hesitant? Do you want to wait to do a little more to feel like you really deserve a celebration? Do you feel like a fear of celebrating because something bad might happen and make you feel like it it wasn't really time yet to celebrate. Well, there's so many different ways we can come at this topic of celebration, but I love Nicole's perspective and how she points us to scripture and how God made celebration part of the rhythm way back in the Old Testament. There, There was a call to celebrate, not based on accomplishments or having a purpose or reason or time or resources, but really based on God's goodness and who who he is. So I just love the perspective that Nicole is sharing with us from her brand new book, one of my favorites called What If It's Wonderful? An Invitation to Release Your Fears, Choose Joy, and Find the Courage to Celebrate. I think you're going to love this. I had so much fun talking to Nicole. You get to listen in as we have a few big moments where we realize that we have a whole bunch in common. And it was so funny that we were having these realizations right as we were, um, you know, starting the interview. So you'll, you'll find out that Nicole and I have a few things in common. And now I just hope to meet her in person one day. But she is so great, so insightful, so wise. She is a marriage and family therapist and a mom 
to three, she has an awesome personal story that has really led her on this journey to understand better um, this topic of celebration. So I think you're going to love it. This might be one you want a pen and paper out for because I have a feeling you might want to take some notes. But as always, I will also have um, show notes over at monicaswanson.com forward slash episode dash 157. Now, I do want to just quickly thank you all again and again for being a part of this community, for your ratings and reviews. Hey, if you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, you just click on that little plus sign usually on your phone in your podcast app, and that means you'll get an automatic download each week so you won't miss any episodes. I appreciate that so much. This community has grown and grown in this past year and it means the world to me. So without further ado, here is Nicole Zazowski and I talking about what if it's wonderful and the heart of celebration. I hope you enjoy. Hey, Nicole, welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast. Oh, I am so excited to talk with you. I'm a huge fan of yours. This is so fun for me. Ah, well, thank you. I just have been so excited to talk to you. And um, I know we've got some mutual friends, but someday I'm going to head over to your part of the world and just hang out because, man, you and I have one thing in common. We're both from the Pacific Northwest, the Seattle area. And oh, there's just so much that I love about your story. Mm -hmm. So before we dive in, I've got lots of questions. Can you just tell us a little about where you are, your family and what you do? Yes, I am in a small beach town in Connecticut, uh, right on the Long Island Sound, and uh, it's just right outside New York City, so it's this strange combination of city life and and tiny beach town life, Um, and I live here with my husband and three young kids. They're six, two, and one, Um, and I am a marriage and family therapist, so I... I do that part time, but it's full time as a therapist. So mm-hmm. full time for a therapist is twenty hours. So I just squeeze those into two and a half days a week and right. write some books in the fringe hours of my day. That's right. So everybody probably wants to be your friend because oh. if you're a therapist, don't you think everybody's like they've got questions, they've got marriage issues. Everybody wants to talk to you about either that stuff, or they're right? afraid to be with my be my friend. I'm not. I'm not sure which. I would drive you crazy. I would have too many questions. Oh, I love oh. it. Yeah. Okay. So take us back. I want to just hear some of your story. Um, we're going to be chatting about your brand new book, What If It's Wonderful, which I'm just, I love everything about it. I love the concept, the idea. When I read the title, I was like, okay, I know I'm going to love this. But Aww. then I started reading and I love it even more. I love the cover. I'm a big, you know, we're going to be working on a cover for my next book soon. So I'm studying covers. I love the cover. The only thought I had when I saw your picture was that you should be on the cover because you are just... Oh. Darling, everyone has to go look at show notes or her Instagram. You're so cute. You're that just is so the cutest. You. Thank you. I mean it. But it's a fun cover and it's a book with such a great message. So we're going to get into that. But tell me, how did you go from Seattle? How did you go from there to here and meet your husband? What's your, what's your yeah. story in a nutshell? So I grew up in Seattle, uh, which is something that is so fundamental to who I am. It Mm -hmm. it comes Mm -hmm. up a little bit in this book, as you and I were discussing before we hit record. And I went to college in LA. I went to Pepperdine University. Okay, Um, wait. I missed that part. I did too. Wait, what? 
Yes. Oh my goodness. I, I think I knew that. And then I just spaced on it. We both went to Pepperdine. Oh, well, that's a huge overlap. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. Yes, I'm just a, a couple years older than you, but otherwise <laughs> we would have been besties. I think that is so fun. That's awesome. Wow. Um, so yes, I met my husband there. We ah. were friends freshman year, but we did Pepperdine, as you know, um, has wonderful study abroad programs. And yes. Where'd you 70, go? I went to Heidelberg. I did too. <laughs> oh my goodness. This well, is crazy. I'm really wishing Everybody we... is witnessing a moment right here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really wishing we went the same year because uh, no I love talking with you. Um, so we were both a part of that program. Yes. It's so good. If it anyone has kids moment. looking at colleges, consider Pepperdine just for that alone. Yes. Right? Yes. Wasn't it a great year? Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. I don't think there's any college that could do a study abroad program better. No. Like, they know how to do it. Yeah. And what I loved about it, I know they have some homestay programs, but what I loved about a lot of their programs is um, you Pepperdine owns the properties. So mm-hmm. you still live with 50 college students yep. or so. Yep. And I loved that because I didn't feel like I missed a whole year of college um, by being abroad. It still felt Mm -hmm. like I got to take some of the college experience with me, but still explore the world. And um, very, very uh, privileged to get to do that. Um, But my husband was one of 18 other guys Uh (laughs) as a part of the program. And that's a story for for maybe off air. Uh, <laughs> it was a complicated year. Um, okay, but, so were you dating during that year? Not really, but we were best friends and came uh-huh. very close. And uh, as I soon as we this. got close to dating, he thought it was a good idea to not speak to me for three to four weeks to average out. Okay, um, because <laughs> he was not he was not ready to date me. Oh boy. And, thought that that would be a nice balancing strategy mm-hmm. to Okay. Yeah. Interesting. It was super fun for me. You yeah. No. <laughs> oh, brutal. Um, yeah, and pretty much spent the following summer getting over him and then oh, he ouch. spent the following semester our junior year uh really really trying to win me over and okay. it worked. Get you back. Okay. Yes. So we wow. started dating our junior year. Um, and then he did a five-year MBA program at Pepperdine. Okay. And I went straight to graduate school at Fuller Theological Seminary. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. And I studied marriage and family therapy there. And uh, we got married halfway through that program. Wow. Um, yep. In Malibu, just so down the there you go. from Pepperdine. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. We could just talk about all that for a long time. So that's another conversation, but I love that story. Yeah. And then very suddenly his job um, took us to Connecticut Mm. pretty much the week after I graduated from Fuller. And that is where, that's really what kicked off a season Mm. that could largely be characterized by change and loss Mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. Um, that move was the beginning of, you know, I I think sometimes the enemy's attack in our lives looks like an obvious attack, but 
in my life as I reflect on it, I think it more often than not looks like keeping us comfortable without Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that is the perfect description for the season before we moved to Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes God's rescue looks, you know, exactly how we would want rescue to look, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> pulling us out of a situation that we don't prefer. Yeah. But in my life, it really looked like pulling me out of a situation that I didn't know I was settling for mm-hmm. and taking my fingers off of um, entitlements and mm. um, ways in which I was tempted to define my value mm-hmm. that were outside of, of mm. Christ. Um, yeah. I didn't realize how much my own performance perfectionism, mm-hmm. other people's opinions, pleasing mm. other people yeah, was actually where my identity and security were coming from. Um, wow. I would have said it was God, but mm-hmm. I, that move really held up the mirror Wow, uh, because I couldn't, I couldn't stand up. I fell apart. Right. Um, yeah. When I had to leave all of the, the affirmation mm. and security sure. that, um, yeah had to stay in LA. And so, yes. And that was just the beginning of a season that was really hard. Um, Mm. And this is before children, right? This is when. This is before children. um, And then we wanted to grow our family of several Mm -hmm. years into being in Connecticut. I had a lot of uh, wanderings with my counseling career and uh, lots of opportunities to trust God's call instead of mm. other people's confidence in me um, mm-hmm. uh, because people were not impressed with me at all in Connecticut, oh, ouch, um, ouch. <laughs> which was really hard, but really yeah. good at the same time um, because I just had to be obedient to God's call and wow. trust that that was going to be enough. Um, wow. And I had never had to trust that that was enough before. Mm. But then we started uh, having a desire to grow our family and in that process discovered that we have a diagnosis that makes it more than 50% likely that I will lose any baby Mm. uh, I conceive to miscarriage. And so, Mm. uh, but we were batting really low. We were batting Mm -hmm. lower than that. So at one point Mm. I had my firstborn and had had five miscarriages. Mm. Um, all within so many years. So it was just very chronic, very, you know, as soon as I recovered, it was, you know, I took another blow. Um, And were these fairly early miscarriages or? They were, they were. Um, But enough to, there's no easy. No. Yeah. And long enough to kind of, you want to find the courage to hope Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. trust that, God can move in any situation, mm, and I wow. still believe that. Um, but when circumstances are not what you had hoped for, mm. um, it was a whole lot of wrestling. So mm. when people – you mentioned my book cover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it it has confetti all over the yeah. front if you're listening yeah. and, and right. haven't seen it yet. Um, and people, you know, when they find out it's about the courage to celebrate – they think that celebration is something that comes naturally to me and that yeah. this season mm-hmm. or this book was born out of a season of joy. 
Mm-hmm. And in some ways it it is, but in many ways it's really more born out of a season of this loss and hardship mm. um, because when you go through something painful, there's the loss itself. There's, mm-hmm. there's the thing that happened, whether yeah. that's an event, a season, a betrayal, whatever that is. Sure. Um, but then there's the cost and the mm. cost is yeah. the impact to your identity and sense totally. of safety. And what took me a really long time to realize was that part of the cost of that season was that my joy, when I did start to experience a little bit more breakthrough and good news in my story, my joy was accompanied by a lot of fear. Mm -hmm. It felt safer and maybe even more responsible to, um, to not hold joy Mm -hmm. than to hold joy that might break. Oh, wow. Um, And so I kept my expectations really low. I prepared for the worst case scenario. I was always ready for the other shoe to drop. Yeah, Yeah. understandable. Uh And then I woke up one morning and I was so, the best word I have is just grieved Mm. um, because I realized that, yes, I had experienced a lot of loss, but of the lot of the loss I was experiencing was not the thing itself, but my refusal to yeah. embrace joy that was right in front of me. Mm. I thought, oh, yeah. I don't want to miss my beautiful God-given life yeah. because I'm so busy preparing for the worst. Oh, wow. Um, so that really started me on this quest to understand what is scripture, what is neuroscience have to say about <sighs> celebration and how can we find the courage to step into that regardless of what season we're walking? Yeah. Now, as a therapist, I'm sure this pandemic, the last few years, mm-hmm. there's got to be just a general experience like that for a lot of people who are just maybe fearful, anxious, whether anything has, whether the pandemic affected them personally or just what they're seeing in the media, that sense of, it's not safe to celebrate or it's not safe Mm -hmm. to have joy because we're just going to hear something bad. Is that something you've seen on the rise or more generalized uh, in the past couple of years? Yes, uh, definitely. I think for a few different reasons, but as I started to process my own story, obviously I was having conversations with clients and my personal community as well. And I started to understand that all of these people who had very different personal stories than I did Mm -hmm. felt so similarly. Sure. Um, In fact, since the book has come out and people are starting to read it, one of the most common feedback pieces of feedback that I get is you're putting words to something that I had no idea I have Mm. been doing for years. Um, Wow. Oh, that's so good. Which is encouraging, but I think it's such a, it just showed me that what, what a variety of stories can lead us Uh to the same pain. And sure. It's not an exhaustive list, but there's five reasons that seem to come up over and over again. And can we hear them? Yes. Our, our hesitancies to celebrate. And so the first is, what we've been talking about, that joy is really vulnerable. It's actually the Mm. most vulnerable feeling that we feel. Mm -hmm. Um, And just that fear component, waiting for the other shoe to drop. 
The second is, and this is major with the pandemic, um, we picture our celebration on the other side of a dream realized or a goal achieved Mm -hmm. or some sort of change in our circumstances. And so we've narrowed our definition of celebration to be a reaction to good news or Mm -hmm. a reward for an accomplishment instead of considering it as a rhythm that we practice that then Mm. cultivates joy. Mm. Um, And so most of us are just waiting for a reason to celebrate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it better be good yes. or yes. we don't really have a good reason. Oh, exactly. I so get that. And then the third, I think, especially for people of faith is we're not sure how to reconcile this invitation to celebrate with our value of humility. Mm. Um, and okay, I love that. We're not sure how to do that well. And mm. are those two things mutually exclusive? Lots of us have mm. been taught that they are. Um, the fourth is all of us are a part of communities and obviously not everybody experiences the same kind of season at the same time. And is my joy going to cause somebody else pain? Absolutely. Um, and then finally, and this was really true for me, you know, one of the things that came out of that painful season, um, that I'm really grateful for and was really precious to me was, a new kind of relationship with God. I was so aware of my need for him and therefore so close to him in that season. Mm -hmm. And I was afraid that as I stepped into a season that was characterized by more joy, that that would go away. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was really sad having grown up in the church my whole life. I had no concept for what it looked like to connect with God deeply in the light of my joy. I didn't know what that looks like. Um, And so I think that's a reason that we can be hesitant to celebrate that we think, oh, God is in the struggle. He's at the center Mm -hmm. of my... Blessed are those who mourn. Like we think of all of those things. Yes. And and I believe all of that. I mean, that's really the the context of my first book. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, well, it can't be true that that God's presence and His growth um, in our hearts and in our in, in our movement and our stories is only happening in our hurt. Um, yeah. And what does that look like in our joy? So, those are the five primary reasons. <laughs> oh, so good, so interesting. I just appreciate that. Hey friends, I hope you're enjoying this conversation. I want to pause real quick to tell you about this episode's sponsor, which is Sarah's Spanish School. Now, there's a very special free opportunity for Boy Mom Podcast listeners who want their kids to learn Spanish. My friend Sarah is a Christian wife, mom, and the owner of Sarah's Spanish School. She teaches kids Spanish online using science experiments, cooking classes, games, songs, crafts, and more. And your kids can participate unlimited in Spanish classes for the entire month of May for free. Classes are live and interactive, but you also get lifetime access to all the class recordings. There's not even a credit card required. It's seriously 100% free. This is an amazing opportunity. So if you'd like to try it, then definitely go over to sarahsspanish.com forward slash the boy mom. I'll have a link in show notes, but again, it's sarahsspanish.com 
put those all together, but there's two S's in the middle, sarahsspanish.com forward slash the boy mom and find out more. She's got a whole lot to offer, but the month of May is a great time to check it out. My boys are checking it out and I'm so excited about it. And now we'll get back to the show. And you do talk about how there are different disciplines, spiritual disciplines, and how celebration is one of them. Mm-hmm. And we don't think of them often, but it is throughout the Bible, right? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. I was a little annoyed when I started to understand celebration as a discipline because I thought, ah, there's so many things that require practice and hard work in our lives. Like, why can't celebration just come easily? It's Mm -hmm. supposed to be fun and natural. Right. And then I realized how empowering it was Mm. Um, because when you take a transition such as a new year where there's all this talk of goals and dreams and vision casting, and I I would get very, very anxious around Mm -hmm. new year. And I realized it was because I was considering celebration to be a reaction to good news or a reward Mm -hmm. for an accomplishment. And I would go into these transitions and just think, well, I hope I have a reason to celebrate. Yeah. Um, Oh, I so relate to that. Yeah. And in my study um, of celebration, what was really helpful to me was looking at how um, God describes celebration in the Old Testament and mm-hmm. all of these festivals and feasts um, that are so beautifully outlined for us in in the early part of the Bible. And what I noticed as a through line to each of these is that the Israelites didn't practice them because they were in the mood to celebrate or mm-hmm. because... Um, They had time Mm. or because all their work was done and now they could relax and enjoy. Mm -hmm. They celebrated because it was time to do so. I love that. And they happened in rhythm. Mm -hmm. And so considering celebration as a rhythm helps us remember God and his faithfulness Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and recall his character Mm-hmm. And helps us realize it's about remembering God's goodness and not um, a reaction for our own. And yeah. so that oh, discipline okay. component really is what cultivates joy. And it's something that we can practice regardless of what kind of season we're in. Yeah. And I think about things like the Jewish uh, ritual of having a, a Shabbat meal yes. each week. And those are things that it's not like, because you just got paid or you got right. a promotion or you won the soccer game. No, it's because that's what we do. Yeah, I, it's what we do. I love that. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's huge. Now getting practical, this is something that you began to practice. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking husbands and wives. I know depending on what your life was like growing up, do you just encourage people to talk about it? Like what's, how can we bring celebrations more into our days, whether or not our spouse really is on board mm-hmm. with that? Yeah. And different personalities will gravitate oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. toward different kinds of celebration and 
Um, yes, certainly your upbringing and mm-hmm. how much of a value celebration was in the home that you grew up in really mm-hmm. impacts yeah. uh, your readiness to celebrate and what that looks like. Right. Um, I think, you know, a lot of the practices I outline in that last third of the book are available to anyone in mm-hmm. any kind of season. So regardless of your personality, mm-hmm. um, these are things that you can practice to cultivate joy. Sometimes mm-hmm. celebration looks like a beautiful party. Um, I have I have a chapter on lavish celebration because mm-hmm. I think sometimes we can elevate our value of frugality and simplicity. <laughs> above our adoration of Christ. Um, And the the woman, the story of the woman who um, poured oil, really Mm. expensive perfume all over Jesus's feet and washed his feet with her hair and her tears. Mm. Um, She knew she'd been the recipient of grace. and, And that outpouring of love was extravagant. Yeah. Um, and you know, ev- we expect the Pharisees to be indignant mm-hmm. about that choice, but even the mm-hmm. disciples mm-hmm. were very confused by why yeah. Jesus was receiving this lavish demonstration of love because they thought mm-hmm. it's such a waste of money. Yeah. Um, but what Jesus, uh, what the disciples called a waste, Jesus called worthy. And mm. um, he said, you know, essentially, Nothing should eclipse um, your yeah, yeah. your worship of me and celebrating the grace mm-hmm. that that I deliver and bring. Um, yeah. So sometimes, all that to say, it looks lavish and extravagant, mm-hmm. and that's a beautiful thing. And sometimes it looks like savoring a moment that's ordinary and already there. Yeah. Mm. And that's one of my favorite yeah. practices. Can you give some examples of that for yes. families? So what savoring does is it helps you celebrate the ordinary. And the reason this is important um, or some helpful context is to understand what's going on in our brain Mm -hmm. (laughs) as a starting Mm -hmm. place, because left on neutral, our brains lean negative. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a few dynamics happening that makes this the case. So the first is the hedonic treadmill. And this is a phenomenon in your brain that basically means it rapidly adapts to joy. So when you experience a thrill of excitement or good news or the gift that you thought would make you want for nothing else, so you thought, um, the the glitter quickly flakes off that Mm. moment or that gift and your brain rapidly adapts to that experience. Okay. So kind of like jumping into cold water, there's that shock and then your body kind of adjusts. Interesting. That's how we are with joy. Um, also- okay, Say that principle again. Yeah, I have a hedonic treadmill. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was really interested as well when I was researching for the book. Yeah. And then the second um, phenomenon is one that a lot of us are aware of, but worth mentioning- our brains are just stickier with painful information Mm, um, mm. and not sticky at all with joy. Mm. So all those everyday moments of delight or the ways that God is moving in your heart or your story Mm. or in your family life, Mm -hmm. um, that your brain is not, is very efficient. It is not going to think that those things are important 
and therefore not going to pick them up as something right. to because they don't help with survival. Like they're not no. part of our base. Yeah, that nope. makes sense. They're kind of extra. Yep. They're so important. Yeah. Very important emotionally and relationally and spiritually. Mm-hmm. Um, we just have to train our brain mm, I love to, that. to understand that. And so, and then the third dynamic is our tendency to tell our joy how it can be improved upon, <laughs> which <laughs> wow, is really unfortunate. But um, say you're giving a presentation and you feel really great about how you delivered it. You see a lot mm-hmm. of smiles and nods in the audience. And um, maybe you get some compliments on the way back to your seat after you're mm-hmm. finished. And you sit down and you feel so satisfied. And then you start to think, it would have been better if mm-hmm. I used that oh, yes. story. <laughs> or they said I was a good speaker, but they didn't say I was a great speaker. Um, um, and you start telling your joy how it could be better. Oh, man. So, all that to say, that's our starting place. Wow. And savoring is a great practice to retrain our brain. Um, and the way that you do this, I like to practice it in the present. I like to catch that moment of delight as it's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, some people like it as a reflective exercise mm-hmm. on their day. Mm-hmm. But you just take a single snapshot. And I'm talking a snapshot. Not mm-hmm. a whole dinner, not a whole day. Um, I had a friend who is raising four teenagers, and just the simple fact that they were all sitting down at dinner at the same time yeah. um, <laughs> because of their after school schedules, that doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. And this her and her husband and her four kids were at the table. Just the simple fact that they were all together was a moment she wanted to savor. And so you take that snapshot. Just mental snapshot. We're not talking phones. Nope. Okay. Nope. Not a literal. You do not need to capture this for social media. Okay. Just your brain. And you ask your five traditional senses what they're going to remember about Uh, that moment. So what do you see? What do you mm -hmm. hear? What do you smell? What do you taste? And what do you feel? Mm -hmm. And that helps your brain hold it. Wow. And I keep can imagine. it mm-hmm. in a way that you can carry it forward and recall it later. Wow. Um, this is also, if you struggle with anxiety like I do, um, this is also a great anxiety technique because it keeps okay. you so present. Okay. Um, with your five senses instead so of. So you're saying you would do the five senses in the midst of anxiety, like in that moment you stop yep. and say, what do I? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Because anxiety likes to pull your brain into the future where it practices mm. all the worst case scenarios and rehearses mm-hmm. disaster. Yeah. And it likes to pull your brain into the past where it tells you what you mm-hmm. could have, should have, or would have done differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, you can't help but be present because you just have to tune into all five of your senses and what mm. they're experiencing right now. Mm. That's awesome. That I could see where that would be so helpful. 
There's so many things about this book I want to talk about, like I told you, because I've been finishing my own manuscript. I haven't finished it, and I have hardly been able to put it down. Um, I, I was actually at a surf contest uh, with my mom, watching my son, and I was working on notes to finish my manuscript, and I had your book in my bag, so my mom started reading it, and she kept Aww. going, oh, oh, you have to hear this, and she kept reading out loud, and I was like, mom, stop. <laughs> I will be reading that, but I was cracking up. She loved it. Uh, okay. Can you just touch on the difference between celebration and escape? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. This reminds me of even the difference between, say, healthy self-care yep. and the kind of self-care that's more just about feeling and escaping and, you know, not necessarily mm-hmm. the healthy kind. And so I would like for you to touch on that if you could. Yes. Um And this is where celebration can be so misunderstood because we Mm -hmm. can think of it as blowing off steam or um, being wild and something that that takes us away from God Mm -hmm. um, versus something that draws us to him. And the, the long and short of it is that escape is a reaction to pain Um, and celebration at its best uh, is an action that we take based on truth. And so escape, um, helps us to numb out. It, Mm -hmm. it disengages us from our experience and disconnects us from Mm -hmm. our own feelings and experience, God and other people. Um, it's destructive, uh, relationally and, and, in our relationship with ourselves. Celebration is an avenue of connection with our senses and our experience, but also with other people and, and certainly with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's a practice. Mm-hmm. It's an action mm-hmm. that, that flows out of um, a, a strong sense of mm-hmm. identity and security. Yes. I love um, that. So, they can, and, and it might even be um, that we, you know, I'm often asked, well, tell me what behaviors fall into which category. Like, is it bad to do <laughs> yeah. this? And it's, it's really less th- about the behavior, yeah. um, aside from the obvious ones, you know, drinking and drugging and other, some, some ways that we could really sure. numb that are obvious. Um, there's a lot of behaviors that are fine on mm-hmm. the surface. Um, but if we are yeah. using them destructively to sure. numb out, um, then they become that escapism more than mm-hmm. celebration. So really the question is less about what you're mm-hmm. doing and, and more about what are you looking yeah, the for? The heart, the motivation. Yes. Mm-hmm. And only you will know that. Yeah. But I think we all know. I think yep. we all know, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's just go ahead and jump back into your story. You you sure. had your son, because this book was written around the time you were having your third child. Is that right? Which was the daughter. Lucky. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I turned it in. Um, I came, I, I came to this concept um, and, and had been researching and exploring this in my own uh, walk with God leading up to my, my second son being born. And right after he was born, I wrote it when I was pregnant with my daughter, turned it in a month after she was born. 
and edited it when she was basically an infant. So um, my my last two kids are 14 months apart. God bless you. Yes, he did. He did bless me. Um, I never thought that would. Well, be I was going to say, d- did w- the miscarriages continue at all between number one and two, or did you just? Yeah. So, um, and it's a little hard to tell when they happened if you read my my books. Um, but there were two before James, my my first, three in between my boys. Um, and James came to us through the gift of IVF. Um, and we had had some failed, uh, fertility treatments in addition to the three miscarriages in between my boys. And, uh, it was, it was James's birthday and I was sitting in my fertility doctor's office and he basically said, there's nothing Mm, more I can do for you. I think, I think he was your miracle Mm -hmm. baby. And I believe all babies are mm-hmm. miracles. I just have a story that reminds mm-hmm. me of that. Um, and I mean, it was such a moment of despair. I just drove straight to my best friend's house mm-hmm. and sobbed in her living room. And I didn't know I was pregnant oh, with Charlie. Oh my goodness. He <laughs> came all on his own. Um, and if you meet Charlie, you will see that that was his uh, personality right from the start. It. Um, and I never thought I'd, it was easier to trust the Mm -hmm. pattern than Mm -hmm. the possibility, um, Mm -hmm. of what God could do. (laughs) And so I always assumed I'd have several miscarriages in Mm -hmm. between any children I had. And so we never did much planning (laughs) (laughs) and my daughter, um, her story is in the last chapter of the book. Uh, she's not actually born right. in this book, but um, finding out about yeah. her is in the last mm. chapter. And so uh, she was a delightful surprise. Okay. And um, we knew we wanted more children, but just sure. the timing of yeah. her. Oh, what a blessing. So, I love that. I'm so grateful. So has this become a, a discipline, a habit, this thing of celebrating, having joy in every day, has it gotten to be more a natural rhythm for you since you've kind of discovered and embraced the idea? Or is it still something you have to remind yourself of often? Both. Um, I, I said the other day that this book has changed my life, and that's true. Um, but what's more true is that it's changing my life. Um, so I am still, I, I do practice these things regularly and they do offer so much hope and help to my days, uh, because I am so afraid Mm -hmm. still of, of Mm -hmm. joy. And I still find joy a really scary Mm -hmm. experience. I still find hope a really Mm -hmm. scary experience. This is making all Mm. the difference. Um, but it's, it's something that I continue to practice and continue to trust. Um, one of my least favorite things about the brain, and (laughs) I just, I tell my clients all the time, listen, I don't like this either, but this is what we're dealing with, um, is that feelings follow actions and actions don't follow Mm. feelings. And I think so often we want... We want what we do to be because we mm-hmm. feel it and we oh, know the so truth true. and it's just a natural yep. outpouring of 
what we feel. And oh, it's so unfortunate, but true. Yeah. And and once you realize it, you can do something about it. That um, those actions are what cultivate new yes. feelings. And so the last third of the book, especially, you'll find practical tidbits mm. throughout. But those practices are just huge. You know, I talk about Thanksgiving. We, we often talk about gratitude increasing our joy, which is great. I love that conversation. Seems like we can't walk into a boutique without seeing a gratitude journal <laughs> yeah, or right. jar or something, you know? And it does increase our joy because it helps us notice and mm-hmm. name what is good in our lives. What we rarely talk about, though, is that Thanksgiving the practice of Thanksgiving, actually expressing the gratitude that we Mm -hmm. feel doubles the joy that we Mm. glean from gratitude. Mm. So even just that practice of if I'm feeling grateful for something, let me just say it. Let me call that person Mm -hmm. and say, here's the difference you Mm -hmm. make in my life. Here's how your presence in my life has changed me, has encouraged my heart, has caused me to Mm. grow. Let me just share that with the person and my joy doubles if I had just felt that in my heart. Um, So even things like that just make such a difference. So interesting. And, And it makes sense when you think about it. And yet it does take action. It takes us taking that step. And I think that's something I've talked, especially to my older boys about is that sometimes you do something and and you're not being fake when you're doing it, you know, because sometimes, like you said, you want it to grow out of a feeling, but no, it's actually a step of faith to do what's right and let the feelings follow. And I think that's such a key to our walk with God, but um, I love that it doubles Mm -hmm doubles the joy. That's mm-hmm. so sweet. Uh, okay. I've still got more questions, but I think I will keep you all day. <laughs> so I'm going to encourage people to read this book and be blessed. I can't wait to finish it. Uh, if there's one thing though, in the book that you're sharing that you would really want people to take with them, what's kind of the heart? What, what are you hoping people take away? Mm-hmm. Ooh, um, certainly that piece of celebration being a rhythm and not a reaction or a reward, but also, you know, as somebody who is so afraid of disappointment, um, and just really doesn't like feeling (laughs) that feeling, um, an honest look, I'll speak for myself, an, an honest look at my life has revealed that yeah, there's been some disappointment in response to a no or a missed opportunity, but a lot of the disappointment that I have experienced is because I've expected more joy Mm. from a gift than it was meant to give. And what celebration so beautifully does is, is it illuminates what joys are standing awkwardly in the wrong position Mm. of our heart. And it's been so helpful for me to understand that what sits at the center of our affection determines the satiation of our Mm. joy and only Christ belongs at Mm. the center. Um, And so just if it's helpful to listeners to ask yourself, 
what joys are standing awkwardly in the wrong position or what gifts in my life need to be moved off center. Not that they're not good. They're, they're beautiful sure. things, often really, really things worthy of our celebration, mm-hmm. but not, not expecting more joy from yeah. them than they were meant to give. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much. Well, if people aren't already following you, they haven't heard of your book, where, tell us all the places they can find you and, and your book and follow you online. Yes. So the book is What If It's Wonderful? And you can certainly buy it on Amazon or your local bookstore can get it for you if if they don't already have it. Um, my website is a great way to connect with me. I love hearing from listeners and readers. And that's just NicoleZazowski.com. And then I hang out on Instagram the most in terms of social media platforms. And I'm just at Nicole Zazowski there. Well, we will be linking to all those places in show notes. And so Nicole, what a pleasure to talk to you. So much fun. Go waves, right? (laughs) Yes. Go waves. Yeah, we're going to have to chat more, (laughs) but for now, thank you for your time. I know you've encouraged me and I think you've encouraged a whole lot of people. So Uh, Maybe we'll have you back on to continue this conversation another time. I would love that, friend. Thanks so much for having me. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I just adore Nicole and love her heart, and I love this topic so much. And as always, you will find links to anything we talked about and show notes over at monicaswanson.com forward slash episode dash 157. So I want to thank you again for being a part of this community and also for spreading the word about the Boy Mom podcast. Best way to get word out is truly through word of mouth. So tell a friend, text a friend, take a screenshot of this episode and put it in your stories on social media. That's a great way to get word out. Tag me if you do at Monica Swanson underscore, and I'm likely to reshare that. So thank you guys. Have a wonderful rest of your week. And until next time, aloha.